Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey everybody, we're back. Thanks for listening. Uh, we do. Uh, I do see the numbers kind of slowly growing. More people listening, and uh, I think that's awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, I just got um, some comments from some colleagues, colleagues of mine in the in the martial arts community, um, that were surprised I was doing a libertarian podcast. Um, you know, essentially they're like, "You're you're doing a podcast." And I was like, yeah, it's Libertarian Tex-Mex, it's on Podbean, um, it's also on um, um, on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Asked for the link, went on down on a rabbit hole, and realized this is not on Apple Apple Podcasts, which is one of the easiest accessible ones. With Podbean, you have to you know sign in and become a member and all that stuff, which is okay. The Podbean is really awesome. But I know a lot of people have access to Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts to download. So anyway, so after this, I have a new mission to get myself set up with Apple Podcast. I tried to do it earlier today, but apparently the um, the uh, main photo for Libertarian uh, Tex-Mex, uh, which is a taco, and it says, come and take it. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my great rendition of um, a classic Texas flag. Um, anyway, so apparently the picture is um, is not uh, not big enough. It's it's too pixelated. So I got to fix that and then adjust, and then um, I can get my podcast out in the Apple world. So more to come on that one. But um, there is definitely some growing interest. Um, hopefully, um, you know, in line with um, you know our election coming up next year. A lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff going up in politics, a lot of things going on that um, I think people are paying attention to, and they're looking for a little bit more reasonable voice. Um, I think a lot of people understand that the you know extreme left and the extreme right um, are really sucking up the air of reasonable conversation um, that I think more people really want. Um, than people who want to see just, you know, a dumpster fire. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people who want to see a dumpster fire. Um, I mean, that's what people love about our president, President Trump. Uh, But I think there's still a huge amount of people, probably more so, more people that want um, some sanity back in, in conversation, in the politics, everything like that. I think I speak to more people who want that, who are ready for some you know some reasonable non-insane people and uh you know i think when you hear that you immediately think of probably president trump which is right but you know i what we you know try to talk explain to people is that you know he's really more of like um more of like a symptom not the actual root cause of of what's going on because there's plenty of crazy people out there um, people with extreme thoughts, extreme plans, everything like that, um, from big to small, right? From famous to your next door neighbor. Um, so I think what we really want to stress here at Libertarian Tex-Mex um, is the important factor of community, um, the important factor of reaching out to your neighbors. This idea that we are all very different. You know, we all have different opinions. We have different views. We have different shades of opinion that may not be a hundred percent with each other um and sometimes maybe they're very very vastly different um but i think we have to um kind of understand where to draw the line right i think i think the easiest line is if we're not hurting ourselves or others um you know that to me would be more of the intervention line um, or if you think somebody's about to hurt themselves or about to hurt others, then obviously intervene before it happens, right? Uh, but beyond that, if you know if, if there's no perceived threat and everybody's okay, then you know these opinions need to be um, leveled out 
and I think we need to respect other people with different opinions. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Doesn't mean you have to, um, you know. Doesn't mean you have to uh, stay quiet, you know. But uh, you definitely want to make your um, opinion known. I think, in my opinion, <laughs> right? I got this podcast. Um, but for sure, you know, I think we have to be careful of how we say things, right? And I always talk to my wife about this. It's like it's not. It's there's a good Texas saying, right? It ain't what you said, it's just how you said it. And sometimes I think that really makes a big difference in how you say things versus what you say. Um, that becomes very important. And one of the big things I think is kind of um, kind of tying it into current politics is you know thinking about immigration, uh, immigration policy. Um, because if you know the history of the Democratic Party, they were probably um, a lot more anti-immigrant than the Republican Party has been. Let's say over a span of 30 years, um, the Democrats, you know, even in the 90s and the early 2000s, were very much about clamping down on immigration policy, about deporting people who were disobeying the law. I mean, you, you see the videos out there, like any Republican will show you the videos of all these people getting up on the podium and saying we need to be tough on immigration that we need immigration uh, people to follow the immigration laws. And then vice versa, you know, even Republicans were probably a lot more immigration friendly um, up to the 80s and 90s, um, you know, even the late 2000s. You know, think about Reagan, think about Bush, uh, Bush Sr. and George W. Um, the fact that they were all very open to immigration, they wanted people to come, they were very welcoming to immigrants um, who wanted to come to America for a better life. And um, they were much, much, um, much more loose on immigration than even the Democrats were. Um, so, so for some reason they've flipped, you know. And now Republicans, I think a lot of it has to do with the um, alt right, with uh, neoconservatives coming in and becoming a very strong force in the party. Um, but um, now the views have flipped, and now Democrats are you know, much easier on immigration and Republicans are becoming harder. But suffice to say that both have the same plan, which is immigration control, right? They want immigration regulation. Um, they both do. And I think the only difference that uh, engenders a little bit more positivity with the Democratic Party is that the rhetoric in which they say these things is not hostile or aggressive or negative um, towards immigrants right they're you know very silently saying you know if you think about obama and joe biden you know deporting mo the most amount of latinos you know ever ever in a president um they did so but they did so quietly versus you take a a, a donald trump who is very aggressive about building a wall about people following the laws etc um, and the, the rhetoric, he says, about immigrants, specifically in Latin America, you know, very spiteful and hateful towards a single group, um, I think makes a big difference. And I think if President Trump um, were a little bit more careful about what he says, um, how he says it, um, I think he would probably be very similar to a Democrat. Um, so anyways, so, um, you know, to get, not to get wrapped up in that just yet, but safe to say that um, we need to figure out we figure out we need to figure out how to bring back respect to each other right um, I think that's really missing in our in our social media in our leaders um, a lot of it is driven now by about who can get the most attention right and obviously whoever can make the most outlandish statements get everybody's attention etc is going to be the media darling whether it's good or bad but i don't know i'm i'm i see why i see why that happens i see why a president trump can happen but at the same time do i want it to happen do i agree with it do i think it should be that way um no and i i don't i think I think social media is a powerful tool to use 
and um, just like uh, like Spider-Man, right? Great res- with great powers come great responsibility. I think <laughs> I think um, us as people who use social media, people who add content, I think we are the shepherds of where social media is going to go, and I think we need to move it in the right direction. You know, meaning we need to be respectful of people. Um, we need to have um, opinions that. Um, that have some type of respect for the human condition of other people that other people are going through doesn't mean you have to um, be a bleeding heart per se but definitely you know like if you take president trump you know going out there and calling countries you know shitholes and um you know calling people you know calling immigrants rapists and murderers i mean things that are completely far fringe from the, the general opinion of americans um, I think really creates um, a problem, and I think um, for sure we need to call our politicians out to make sure that they're towing the line, so to speak. But I think also in ourselves, right? We need to carry the values that we believe, and to not be pulled into um, not be pulled into those things. And uh, I know it's very difficult. I mean, I get caught in a argument on social media all the time. I try to keep it light. I try to keep it punchy. Um, try to keep it fun, maybe a little bit funny, uh, because otherwise, if I take it too serious, if I get too heated into it, it's just going to drag me into it. So, um, I'm trying to learn from other, um, more higher, higher profiles on social media. Um, a lot of them say, "Don't read the comments. Don't engage." like that with uh, people who are listening to you to just post your things, um, you know, do your thing, don't even look at the comments, don't even read the comments, and just keep going and keep doing it, um, and have fun with it, and I think that's kind of what I'm aiming for. I mean, obviously I don't have a, like a giant fan base or anything just yet, so I do kind of read, I do read comments, and I do engage in a little bit of back and forth, but I'm sure, you know, maybe at some point, if I ever get, if I ever get uh, popular or famous, for sure, I, I wouldn't have time, I would have to say, hey, um, I won't be able to read all these, but, um, but I try. So anyway, so, um, been a couple weeks, um, I believe the last discussion we had was around the Democratic debate, which ironically, um, the Democratic um, National Convention, the DNC, had another debate um, on September 12th, which is, I believe, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. So um, they were here in Houston, actually, on TSU campus, which I think was is really cool. Um, you know, d- uh, Houston has always been a hotbed for liberalism um, and um, a pretty big area for the Democratic Party. Um, but, I, you know, it's funny because I have a, a friend who is just moving back from uh, from California. She's originally from Texas. Her husband's from California. Um, I don't think he's lived in Texas. Um, so, he, so he's just kind of kind of green on the Texas culture, how things are. And, you know, we do get into politics talking about Democrats or, you know, I think what most people say, liberals and conservatives. Those those aren't really liberals and conservatives. You know, I would say they're more like progressives and alt-right. I don't know. Anyways, um, but, you know, we were talking about the differences in political parties just within the countries, right? Um, you know, a, a Republican in California... Is vastly different than a Republican in Texas, and I and th- that was something I had to kind of remind him of. Is like you know, honestly, I would say a Democrat in 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 Texas is almost like a Republican in California, right? They're socially liberal, fiscally conservative. They're libertarians, right? Libertarian leaning. Um, and I think I was like, I think there's a major distinction because I think what you would think of as a Republican coming as a Californian is really, um, in Cal- in Texas, is more like a neoconservative, I would say, dare say, alt-right, right? The extreme right. Um, whereas a, a Republican in California probably is a little bit more in the middle, a little bit more to the moderate area. If you think Ronald Reagan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all those things, right? Um, people who want a booming economy, but also 
um, understand that there's some social concerns that we should let people decide for decide for themselves. Whereas here in the um, in Texas, a Republican, a conservative Republican, is you know um, anti-social, right? In, in the sense that they don't want gay people to get married. You know they uh, they don't want um, their their belief that there are racial issues are are not there um, things like that um, so it, it's a major difference on just even being calling yourself a Republican in California versus Texas it's a major difference um, so so I always tell people especially as somebody who lives in Houston that most people here that that call themselves Democrats as a Texas Democrat, a Houston Democrat, really a little bit more like, I hate to say it, a little bit more libertarian, maybe left-leaning libertarian, which means they're a little bit more focused on the social justice side of things. But um, I think in terms of um, understanding the, um, you know, that capitalism or free market economy is vital to people's lives, um, that should be core, that should not be, um, you know, moved in in any capacity. Um, I think that is a core tenant that is aligned with libertarianism, as also with social justice. Um, you know, allowing you know um, same-sex marriages, um, drug legalization, all that stuff, right in line with libertarianism. Also, along with the idea that a free market economy is the best economy. I think the only slight differences here now is. You know, I think the the um, Houston slash Texas Democrats, um, they do believe in a booming economy, but they also want to have those um, boundaries and regulations uh, to protect um, the environment and consumers. So that one we can kind of get in the weeds and, and talk about the nuances of what the differences between libertarian, the libertarian party, libertarianism, and the Democrats of Texas. Um, but I think... I think there's some overlap, but you know, again, there's also overlap with Republicans in terms of um, free speech, in terms of the Second Amendment, um, all those things. So there's a little overlap here, a little overlap there, uh, but there are some vast differences, especially fundamental um, principle issues, uh, principles on the way of thinking and how to look approach an issue. Um, is a major, major difference in libertarianism, which in honesty, I think, appeals to a lot of Americans and a lot of people, not just Americans, but a lot of people who believe in the ideas of liberty, right? The ideas of freedom and how do we develop a, a governing uh, body and how do you develop a society that is focused around allowing people free choice and freedom to do what they want to um, as long as they're not hurting anybody, right? As long as they're not hurting others or themselves, they should be able to do what they want, right? Businesses that they want, um, have relationships with the people they want, do with their own body what they want. Um, all those things are fundamentally libertarian, which a lot of times with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party aren't really fundamental principles about understanding of the liberty. Um, I think maybe to a Republican Democrat, um, liberty is more about a concept, right? Um, a concept that needs to be controlled, um, controlled and regulated, right? Freedom, but always with a but, you know, or exception, right? Freedom except this freedom except that and it works that actually works with both sides right if you think about republicans you know um you know they um you know they believe in the second amendment right free uh, freedom of buying any gun but when it comes to freedom to marry who you want uh, no they, they don't want you to do that you know freedom to you know put in your body what you want any drug well no not that one freedom to um, you know, freedom to control your own body, like um, have a child or not have a child. Well, no, you know, accept that, you know. So there's always exceptions to their idea of freedom. In fact, if you ever hear them talk about do any stumping or speeching, nobody talks about freedom anymore. Not 
You know, not Democrats, not Republicans. Nobody says, I believe in freedom. I believe in a free society. Nobody's ever saying that anymore because they don't believe it. And I think there's a large gap in America that could really bring that back. I think it's always been the fundamental DNA in, in Americans is to believe in freedom, um, to believe in 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 life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is fundamental ideology in the in the U.S. Constitution and American values. And I think a lot of people outside of the United States see that as the fundamental value that it had and something that it's kind of missing, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you look at both parties, they're just completely just spiraling out of control, you know. You look at our, our you know, current president who is ruling by authoritarian um, actions, right? Um, he's trying to control the market, trying to control immigration, trying to control other countries like China, um, trying to control, control, control. And people get upset about it. But I think fundamentally, Republicans and Democrats don't believe in freedom. They don't trust you um, to do what you want, you know. And, and maybe, you know, maybe we can talk about the nuances of having, a, you know, a sort of a, a referee, you know, the U.S. government to come in and say businesses and, you know, consumers, um, you hurt them. So here, you know, here's your punishment type of thing. Um, they, they, I think they've gone way beyond that. And now they're trying to dictate the market. They're trying to dictate immigration. Um, they're trying to dictate the terms and, and, and um, conditions of how the market moves, how people move, how people think. And I think it's a very dangerous path, um, you know, thinking about Jedi, you know, the the, the Star Wars movie coming up. Um, um, what was it? I think it's The Last Skywalker or something like that or... Something like the rise, of, the rise of Skywalker. Um, anyway, just thinking about the dark side and the light side type of thing. Total nerd here moment. But I think, I think both parties are in a position that they should really question their own core beliefs, their own what do we really believe in, and let's not sugarcoat and let's not lie about it. We are really about this because if you think about the way the if I was looking at or watching the Democratic. Um, debates and I wanted to kind of go comment by comment on it and I just I was like there's so much here um, and you know the president um, Trump hasn't said anything um, which ironically the Republican um, you know National Committee or National Convention or whatever the Republican Party um, is not holding debates which is a whole other can of worms here about the fact that they're already controlling um, who can contend against the president, which I think is a serious breach of democratic elections, or you know, and even weirder is Republicans and conservatives and this rhetoric that we're not a democracy. It's kind of a weird thing. Like it's almost like um, political amnesia, right? Um, you know, they forget that we do vote. We. As citizens vote in our um, our representatives, we vote for the president, and we also have the electoral college, who are selected people who also vote for the president. And those things are supposed to match up. Um, and if there's isn't, then we kind of go through a contest or contention here to see what 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 happened. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, either way, whether <clears throat> we're using a popular vote. <clears throat> Or the electoral vote we're still voting for a president we vote for our representatives right we vote for our mayor we vote for our governor we vote local policies if voting is involved it's a demo it's it's a democratic system right now there's different ways to set up how you vote right you know representative democracy right um however you want to call it it's still voting ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's still a democracy right um, and people call this a republic which it is but that is not that is not a distinction of how representatives or how people bring in the the people that 
that represent them. You know, Republican a republic is just a structure of a governing body. It doesn't it doesn't discuss how those people get in those positions to govern in the first place. So, so a lot of people use the republic thing as an excuse, which is kind of bogus because a republic is a representative democracy. Um, but it's still a democracy, ladies and gentlemen, a representative democracy, not a direct democracy in many cases, but there, it's still a democracy. So I think, um, unfortunately, <laughs> the Republican Party um, is, is losing its memory on its core values, on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's definitely dwindling, especially if you think about, um, you know, the biggest Republican out there right now is Donald Trump <clears throat> gets the most attention from everybody and I mean every day he tweets about something you know a new ban or a new rule or you know uh, something new that he's going to direct and control um, you know it, we are seeing history repeat itself right if you think about you know uh, you know uh, the Roman Empire, um, or or Greece, right? Greece moving into uh, no, I'm sorry. If you think about the Roman Empire compared to Greece, um, you see that they had a democracy that slowly moved into an authoritarian, right, a dictator, and that is something I still worry about. That we are centralizing too much power into one person. If you look at Donald Trump and President Obama, even George Bush. If you look at the uh, the A was it AUMF authorization and use of military force um, after September 11th, um, giving one person way too much power. Um, you know, a lot of those things. If you think about if you think about the history of World War II, um, you know, Congress voted to go to, to war, right? Um, Congress chose the the political and budgetary strategy. <clears throat> that that they wanted to do and then the military enacted it um, and then once they were done um, you know the our elected representatives voted to return them bring them back cut the military down cut the budget and let's get people let's get people back to their normal lives and um, I think that mentality is, is is gone right now we have permanent war you know we're always in war we have way too many troops way too many bases um, you know we switched to a volunteer model which was good uh, but now we're just inundated with 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 too much military and not that not that the military is bad but there's definitely a right size and I think we have <laughs> definitely exceeded that level uh, in terms of military might we are way way too big um, so that is something that I worry about right a big military um, consolidated power into the president um, those types of things I do worry about because you never know right you never know you know what a madman will do with the nuclear switch right and you've seen it right you've seen President Trump uh, <laughs> talking about talking about using nuclear weapons to stop a hurricane how insane is that i mean how how i don't even even know another word just to say how insane is it to think a pre, a a, po, a man as powerful as president trump has has so much power and so much responsibility and the first thing he wants to ask is can we use a nuclear bomb to stop a hurricane these are the type of insane insane things that I definitely worry about with consolidation of power you know it's great to disperse the power a govern a governing body power like that it helps with checks and balances and I think it's very important that we maintain those things otherwise um, we have somebody who could do something crazy and we can't take that back you know so anyways so while we're on that topic, I was watching uh, watching news updates on these these group of people that are investigating 
are doing a commission on whether to impeach Donald Trump. And as much as I don't like the guy, I just find it odd that they're still trying to impeach him because I'd be interested to hear the reason why and if it has any legal grounding. And now the conversations or the things I've been listening to, um, even from a libertarian, classically liberal viewpoint about impeachment, a lot from the legal perspective is saying, yeah, the guy's crazy. Yeah, the guy has sleeping problems, probably health problems. He's a little nutso, but he hasn't done anything in his own seat that has gone completely mad just yet. Now, we don't get me wrong. You think he's an idiot. He thinks, says really dumb things, but has he done anything to cross the line that says we need to remove him right away? Not really. Um, and I'm really curious to see what they're going to do and what the whole point of this is. Um, now, not the first time we've impeached a president. Um, I believe Bill Clinton um, went through impeachment, impeachment processes and they finally voted to impeach him after um, the elections were over already. Um, I think Richard Nixon was impeached, um, or I think the, the proceedings were, were beginning and then he resigned or something like that, I think. I'm going to have to look into it, but he resigned. Um, those are the last two of recent memory that I recall, but I have to look through the U.S. history to see how many times we've actually impeached a president. Um, but suffice to say, this is not the first time that people have tried but, you know, the previous cases, I think, maybe had a little bit more reasoning in the sense that we were catching Bill Clinton in a lie. So it was about credibility. Um, you know, President Nixon um, wiretapping um, his competition. So that was obviously an illegal move. That was clearly a good reason for impeachment. Um, but is this just the idea that you don't like the guy? and you think he's kind of crazy, is that reason enough to impeach, to move and create such a, a huge schism? I'm not so sure. Um, even as somebody who doesn't like him, somebody who disagrees with him wholeheartedly, is that a reason? I I don't know. I'd be interested to hear uh, what they say. I'm definitely going to follow up with it and see what's happening. And uh, obviously would love to get people's opinions about that out there. Um, I think most people agree that our president is crazy. Um, even his own people who voted for him, I think, think he's crazy. Um, but is it enough to impeach him? I don't know. Especially with the elections coming up, I don't know. Um, I think what should be more focused on is candidates who are better suited for the presidency than Donald Trump. And I think that's really where the Democratic Party should focus on. Not to say I'm better than Donald Trump, or, or let me say that. Not to say, I don't think the strategy should be attack Donald Trump, and let's talk about how terrible he is. I think by proxy, if you're talking about you know the reasons why you should be president, I think you default show people why this is better than what you currently have. And I think with that, you would kill the, the oxygen in the room that is going to Donald Trump. Because I think he gets a lot of um, hits, you know, on social media. He gets a lot of uh, attention. And I think the only way to kill President Trump um, is by not giving him attention. I mean, and I say that even though I've talked a lot about him right now. So, <laughs> so like I said, it's really difficult. But there's got to be a good strategy around President Trump to not give him as much attention as he wants or not give him the attention when he wants. Um, I think it's an important thing. I think one of the interesting things in the debate that I noticed um, with certain candidates um, was thinking about you know each person going next to President Trump and how would they react to somebody as volatile and you know, and honestly, who is seems to be an intelligent person, who can think on their feet and be responsive and and look like they are um, making President Trump nervous. 
And I look at all those people, and I think even the big ones like Joe Biden, you would just have two old guys, you know, going back and forth. Joe Biden says some, sometimes it's almost incoherent things. I'm like, I, it, I don't know how he's still on this stage. I don't know if he'd be able to go toe to toe with Trump. Um, think about somebody else, um, you know, the, the younger guys like Beto O'Rourke or Julian Castro, they would not, they would get f- creamed by President Trump. You know, they're just not as witty, not as smart. Um, they're trying to be a little bit too measured. Um, and I don't think they'd be able to react appropriately uh, to President Trump. I look at Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren could handle him a little bit better, but I don't know if she's um, a little bit too soft-spoken to go against Trump. Um, that's, that's my only my only thing to say, like, if I look at how President Trump acts, you know, he's trying to go for that gotcha moment. He's trying to attack you. Um, you know, that's his, his way is to be on the offensive. Um, can, you know, somebody like Elizabeth Warren, who's a little bit more defensive um, in terms of her strategy, can she go toe-to-toe with that? I don't know. I don't know if she can handle the barrage of offensive maneuvers from President Trump. But... I think one thing that she does have going for her is that she is a woman. And I think um, President Trump has a weird reaction to women that makes him look very awkward. Um, and I think that would make him look, you know, make him look bad. I think that was one thing that we all noticed when he was debating Hillary Clinton. The way he stood next to her, the way he responded to her, it was. Uh, it was I don't know what it was I don't know what it was I think a lot of women would probably say that he's a douchebag you know reacting to a very strong woman and that's probably true but also I think there's this weird um, he has a weird reaction to women you know like you can see it he's trying to like win their affection like you know like a classic guy he's trying to win their affection by being sweet and charming but you're saying all these hateful things and you're attacking me you're attacking these people they're not going to like you right and you're going to seem like a sleazeball um and i think that really could go against him um i'm trying to think you know bernie sanders probably not he seems a little bit um i don't know how to say it same thing with joe biden they just seem like they're just maybe past their prime like they I don't think they can go toe-to-toe with with President Trump there's a a couple of other candidates out there and I'm just drawing blanks on their names Um, there's a senator with last name Klobuchak or something like that I'm totally butchering her name Um, and then there's uh, Peter Budgledy or something like that I'm totally butchering names I gotta learn how to say these names um, they seemed a little bit more moderate, a little bit more reasonable. I actually liked a, a few of their positions, and I liked their rhetoric. It seemed more measured. It seemed more reasonable. And honestly, I hate to say it, that's probably why they're not going to win, right? Um, they're a little bit too in the middle already. And we know the strategy is go for the extreme ends of your party. And as you win the elections, you move towards the middle. Um, that's what President Obama did. So if you're too in the middle already, if you're not aggressive with your ideas for your party, then um, you're not going to win your party base. You know, um, then when you go in, but you, which is kind of a weird, um, you know, catch twenty two because, you know, ideally, you know, your your party base is going to be a lot smart, a lot smaller than the independent middle America. That's your overwhelming majority. So. It would, it, you know, for in terms of um, voting, I think those people would garner the middle. But unfortunately, if they don't whip the um, backing of their party, then you won't get the opportunity. So I don't know what to tell those candidates. I don't want to say, hey, you need to lie. Um, no, but maybe, 
maybe we need to keep some of those topics that you know are hot topics for the far the far extremes of your party maybe keep them light and maybe say you know i'm not going to contest this one stance and then once you move into the middle that's when you open up and say you find a middle ground and a way to make it work so anyways um the one person that i actually think was a little bit more measured had good experience and i think could make president trump squirm a little bit is kamala harris now i know what a lot of people are going to say she is a total authoritarian she's a politician with a gun so to speak because she was um you know involved in law enforcement and um and was a um heavily involved in in legal um, avenues in california um, very stern about her anti-drug rhetoric etc but this for me it's for me what i'm thinking about is not about her policies and whether i agree with them but looking at sitting standing next to president trump who's gonna go who's gonna battle with him who can go on the offensive uh to him and put him on hit the defensive right keep him on his heels so to speak because i think one of the most dangerous things about president trump whether i think he's insane or not is that he is excellent to go on the aggressive right he's got wit he's got sarcasm he can come up with a witty name um he can laugh um he can you know basically look confident and even though a lot of these things are underlying there's other things going on I think most people respond to that and what I like about Kamala Harris in terms of like let's move the, her policies out of the way and let's just say the way she holds herself um, the way she can come back the way she attacks President Trump um, it, it's good offensive maneuvers and I think when I look at her I go you know what I bet you she could go toe-to-toe with President Trump and I think very specifically because she's an African-American woman that she could make President Trump like squirm and feel uncomfortable and make him look like a douchebag the way he is um, you know you can see him you can almost see him next to Kamala Harris trying to say weird flirtatious things that are not appropriate he'll probably say something stupid you know uh, the things he said before about women i mean women are his uh, sore spot and had i think had had hillary clinton not be such a uber democratic corporate shill type of thing right um had she had not had she gone for the hearts of people um i think she probably could have won but um she was like the democratic machine and i think kamala harris comes off as not really a democratic machine um somebody who's gonna do the exact talking points of the democratic party but she'll probably do you know 60 70 percent of what they want and she'll negotiate and work with them and i think she could have the backing and really go on the offensive with president trump and um, i think it would make him really awkward now do i want kamala harris to um to become the president not not based on her policies no but i think it would be incredible to have the first african-american female president in office you know like that would be just like a double whammy on diversity um, and I think that would be really cool. And I think that she has that going for her, you know, especially if you think about the extreme left that is looking for this intersectional, um, you know, representatives, um, you know, that she has some of these things on her list that could really engender, engender the extreme left of the party. And then she could pull them in more into the moderate stances of independents and third parties. Um, I think she could win. I think she could, in my opinion. Now, the thing that I didn't like about all these candidates, and I've, I think we've talked about this before, was that 
Tulsi Gabbard was not on the stage. Tulsi Gabbard is my favorite candidate so far from the Democratic Party. Now, doesn't again, doesn't mean I agree with all her policies, but fundamentally her principles and her values, I do agree with, right? Um, she does believe in, um, in being, in being a, a, I shouldn't even say soft, believing in core values of freedom, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think she believes in those things. Now, does she believe in regulation, regulating the market, you know, regulating guns, etc.? Absolutely. So these things I obviously do not agree with, but her as a person, as a genuine person, I like her, right? She seems genuinely to care about Americans and what and what is going to happen to them. So I think she, both in the good spirit and both in her strength in terms of being able to tough it out you know she and she, you know she's a veteran a veteran female um she would i think have totally rocked it against donald trump um i think he she could have smoked him on the issues on the problems that they're facing on the issues that he's creating and then on top of that, she's a veteran, you know, and on top of that, she's a female. And on top of that, she lives in Hawaii. She knows the issues on, on environmentalism. So she could give you a better sense of reality than Trump could. And I think that it's a big miss from the Democratic Party that they are not including in her. They're not including her in the debates and that they're not listening to her, her base of people that say they want her to do this. I think they're going to try to push Biden. I think I think they don't want um, um, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to get the nomination. I think they're on the fringes, but they're trying to show that they're not being biased. But I'm sure they're in the back screen, in the back end. They're trying to figure out how to position themselves right, um, which I got to be honest with you is infinitely better than the Republican Party right now who is not even holding an election, who's not even, you know, fielding other candidates. Um, you know, there are some people that do want to challenge President Trump, but they're not letting him do that. And unfortunately, I think that sends a bad, a really bad message. But, um, but us as libertarians, that gives us an opportunity to really speak to the disenfranchised. You know, we, we had a lot of disenfranchised Republicans the last 10 years. Um, you know, come to the Libertarian Party. We do have to a little bit of, we do have to do a little bit of education in terms of, you know, our positions on legalizing drugs, on being pro-choice, um, you know, allowing same, you know, making same-sex marriages legal, um, all, you know, uh, opening the border, so to speak. Um, all these things are, are pr fundamental principles to liberty, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the Libertarian Party really goes to town on it. And I think this is something that that scares Democrats and Republicans, but also I think that the general public understands inherently and that they want. They want to see in their main parties. And unfortunately, they're never going to see it, right? You're always going to see a Republican and Democrat who wants to regulate and control whatever the topic is, right? Abortion, immigration, you know. Uh, the economy, um, China, right? Everything like that. They're always going to want to to have regulation and control through a central government, you know. Whereas a libertarian kind of understands that the market can handle a lot of this, that individuals can handle a lot of this. Um. So we want we want to put it more on the market, more on people to deal and sort these issues out versus having to. You know, mom and dad coming in and, and telling you what to do, right? We want these children, so to speak, you know, to figure things out themselves. Um, so I, I guess you could view like the Libertarian Party, the, you could view Republicans, Democrats as the helicopter parent, right? The, the, the one that's telling their kids what to do every single moment of their lives versus a Libertarian parent who wants their child to d have developed their own experiences, 
learn, grow as a person. Um, and, you know, we understand that there you want some certain boundaries to make sure that this person doesn't fall into the wrong hands, so to speak. Um, so maybe we keep those boundaries light, um, but we really want more guidance from a soft perspective. And instead of saying, you can't do that. If you do that, I'll punish you. Um, it's more like, if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. You need to make your own choices and understand what you're willing to sacrifice. To me, I think that is the core of parenting, right? Um, the core of any human is to give people choice and maybe make them understand the choice to say, if you choose this, this is going to happen. If you choose this, this is going to happen. Um, and understand consequences. I think it's probably core to libertarian values, even just on the individual level, right? You can choose to marry who you want. You can choose to do the drugs you want. You can choose the careers you want. You can choose to live where you want, but there's consequences to everything. Um, and we have to understand that on individual choice, on the individual level. And so how do you scale that up to, you know, the city, city ordinances, county ordinances, state laws, um, federal laws, um, you know, international relations. I think one of the big things that I noticed in the debates um, when, when it comes to both the, the free market and when it comes to relationships with China, when it comes to war, when it comes to engaging the world, it's very much a centrally controlled thing versus allowing individuals to engage in the relationships they want. And I think about Donald Trump, who, um, you know, was telling businesses not to do deals with China. Like, are you insane? Like anybody who does international business, even domestic business knows that China is a big market, you know, a big portion of the global business. There's no way you can avoid it, you know, um, and, and. So what libertarians try to propose is more allowing individuals, um, the markets to do business with who they want, right? And allowing those relationships to help bolden positive relationships with other countries. You know, if you think about the d downfall of communism, the downfall of communism didn't happen because of our military, right? The downfall of communism happened because capitalism was just so much better than communism. And we could compare it, right? There's a lot of great stories of grocery stores going into Russia and showing up how much food was available, how much abundancy was there, and how much and at the lowest cost possible versus a controlled economy like, uh, like, like Russia where they're producers were not able to keep up with that and the prices were astronomically high. So there's a way to show the power of a open society, of a free society, without having to regulate it, without having to control it, something like that, right? If you imagine um, intellectual property, I think that's a big thing right here. Um, there's a way to do that, a way to negotiate with a country such as China on cracking down on intellectual property. But just the idea on intellectual property itself is another topic for libertarians to talk about because who who can, and it's something that even in academia we talk, that it's talked about a lot is who can own an idea, right? Who can own a concept? Um, you know, all these things are kind of built on other people's ideas before you. So I think the idea of intellectual property is something even libertarians look at and go, you know, this wasn't really your idea. It was a lot of people's ideas. People should be able to go out there and copy these things, you know. But it's interesting. I mean, this is obviously my own point of view on intellectual property. I'll definitely have to see what the Libertarian Party feels about um, intellectual property. But if you think about programming or um, music or anything like that, you know, nobody's inventing something brand new that has came out of the air, right? Everybody is building off of old concepts of music, of science, um, of computer programming, of any other concept, technology, or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> everything is built off of old ideas. Even this, right? Libertarianism 
isn't a, a new idea. This is built on classical liberalism. Um, so nobody owns these ideas. Nobody owns these things. Um, I think really the only thing we can truly own is, is property, right? Um, or our own life, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, intellectual property doesn't really fit in that. Um, I think it's more of a, a protection, a legal protection, a legal regulation um, on intellectualism, which I think can cause a lot of issues. So be interesting to see what the, what the mainstream Libertarian Party thinks about intellectual property. Because, you know, if, um, if it's not that big of a deal from a libertarian standpoint, then we need to be engaging in an open market, and we need to allow individuals to engage in an open market the way they want to. If they're okay doing um, business with somebody who's stealing intellectual property, then that should be up to them. Um, or maybe they engage in business and say, hey, we don't want you to engage in um, you know, intellectual espionage. Please stop. Maybe they do. Maybe they will stop individually as individual businesses. Now, will the state government of China say everybody has to crack down on it? Maybe not, but maybe individuals will choose to do so. And I think that's a, a powerful tool. But looking at the Democratic and Republican debates, you know, um, both like to control how things happen and how you do things. And I think that's a, it's a major loss in liberty um, and also really makes the Democratic Party go far, far away from the concepts of liberalism, which are, into, which are intellectually intertwined with the ideas of liberty. And I think this is something that Americans and anybody, the vast majority of Americans who are in, in the middle, um, who believe in those concepts, we need to call out both parties to say, you don't believe in liberty. This is not a liberty concept. This is not liberalism. This is not freedom, right? Because liberal liberalism means the i means the idea of freedom, right? The the principles of freedom. Um, and um, if they're not believing in freedom, then what are they believing? Um, and I think this needs to be challenged, it needs to be called out from both sides, right? You look at somebody like President Trump who believes in authoritarianism, that he wants to tell people what to do. How is that an American value? How is that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? It's not. And then we look at the Democratic Party, and we see that their only answer to anything, even, you know, to even climate change, is we're going to regulate ourselves to wealth and prosperity, just not going to happen, you know. Yes, we can argue the merits of certain boundaries, certain rules. There's flexibility in that, but the idea that your whole campaign and political focus is what you can regulate, you're not going to regulate yourself into a cleaner environment, right? Um, you, it'll help, but really you need the technology, you need the inventiveness of people who can help with, with the technologies and the tools to help with pollution in the water, with carbon emission in the air. That's the only way you're going to get rid of these things, not by telling people that they can't have air condition or they can't use their cars. Um, that's not the way it's going to be. It's going to be going through and saying, how can we make cars the most efficient? How can we develop technology that's going to clean our environment? Those types of things. How can we find cleaner energy is a good thing, but how does it mix well with all the other fuels that we have? You know, saying that the fossil fuel, making it into a negative that the fossil fuel uh, companies are bad is uh, a terrible way to look at it. We, we just recently had protesters um, in Houston um, that were hanging off a bridge with nylon ropes and plastic helmets. Now, let me tell you something. Nylon is a chemical. Plastic comes from chemicals. Where do you think chemicals come from? I hope you're smart enough to realize that these come chemicals come from oil products. So we have the modern economy built on plastics, built on oil, built on those products. There is no way, there is no way you're going to go backwards onto that. So we need to find a positive solution that includes fossil fuel companies, energy companies, plastics. How do we recycle? 
How can we reuse the energy that we have? How can we round it out with cleaner energies as well? How can we help people clean up the environment? It's, it's a huge portfolio of things that need to be done. And I think the rhetoric doesn't help, especially for us Houstonians, many of us involved in energy, many of us, many of us involved in products that include plastics and metals and everything like that. We know the, the impracticality of getting rid of these things. So we need to find a way that moves us forward in the right direction um, and, and still able to grow the economy. So anyways, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm actually headed out to the UH game tonight. Um, look, really looking forward to that. So um, you guys, everybody out there, enjoy your weekend. And uh, you should be post- I should be posting this on Monday. Hope you listen and um, hope you can share it with somebody because I think there's a lot of good um, conversation out there with um, normal, <laughs> reasonable people. And we want to fill social media with that. Um, if you're in the area, obviously I love to talk to people, so come on out. Um, I've seen my friend Rob, who's on, um, has been on the podcast a few times. If you got any good ideas, if you like um, talking on um, on the microphone, um, always open invite for anybody to discuss any topic. Um, you know whether you agree with me or not. I would love to talk to you and hear what you have to say. So thanks everybody, and uh, see you soon.